It is Sunday, July 5th, 2020. This is U62 The Targ. Let's get this started in here. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62 The Tar. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, we're going back to the movies, we've got a brand new collector's transformer, and we're playing Atari today. It's episode 10.12, The Big Screen. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Targ, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Camp is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. Well, I did it. I decided to venture outside and go see a movie. Because as I was saying last week, with the movie theater starting to reopen, movies are just five bucks now, and since all the big summer blockbusters have been postponed to the winter, they're showing a whole bunch of classic films. So when I saw that I could see a double feature of Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark for just ten bucks, I could not say no. So I ventured out into the real world. Now, if you're like me, you love your movies, you want to start getting out there, needless to say, there are some new rules at the movie theaters these days, so if you're planning to go to the movies, this is what you can expect. Firstly, they highly encourage you to buy your tickets online in advance. That way you minimize physical contact with the employees once you're down there. So that's what I did. I bought my tickets online with the app, and it helps with the reserve seating too. When you get down to the movie theater, you'll see that in order to maintain physical distancing, they have blocked off every second row, and about every second seat in the rows that are open are also blocked off. So they're using reserve seating in a lot of places in order to help enforce that. And of course, there's just more time cleaning the movie theaters. They have clearly marked paths from the entrance to the exit, so that way they minimize mulling about in the lobby. All in all, it's a really efficient system. And despite all these safeguards in place, not a lot of people venturing out to the movies right now in both Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Including myself, there are only maybe five people in each theater. So people are a little reluctant to get back out there yet, so you don't have to worry about being stuck in a large crowd. Uh, Masks are not required, but they are recommended if you do have one. I do have one, and I tried to wear a mask, but... I'm watching a movie and they were fogging up my glasses really terribly. So about halfway through the trailers was when I took off my mask. So I don't know. Hopefully I won't pay the price for that. But it was worth it because I finally got to see two of my favorite films, Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark on the big screen. Firstly, Back to the Future. I've heard this criticism of Back to the Future before, but I never really noticed it until I saw it on the big screen. And that is, Back to the Future really isn't a very cinematic film. A lot of it is just Marty McFly hanging out and talking with his younger parents and talking with Doc Brown. There's not a lot of big action in Back to the Future. 
But don't get me wrong, the big action scenes that are there, you know, the skateboard scene, that wonderful climax when he goes back to the future in the DeLorean, those look beautiful on the big screen, and especially that end. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movie endings of all time. The way the DeLorean takes off and they fly off into the sunset, ah, gives me goosebumps every time and seeing it on the big screen was wonderful. Kind of the same with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Again, I've seen it on TV so many times, but now you can see it truly was meant to see on a big screen. That legendary opening sequence with the rolling boulder on the big screen, it is just so beautiful. One of the most cinematic shots of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, it's when they found where the Ark of the Covenant is and Indy's got his crew digging for it. It's just Indy against the sunset. Seeing that on the big screen, chills, man, chills. And of course, the wonderful special effect scenes, you know, when that guy's face melts on the big screen, you can feel the heat. So there you go. I'm glad I risked it. I'm glad I saw the movies out there on the big screen. And yes, I'm doing it again. I've already got my tickets to go back and see Ghostbusters. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, The Targ. Speaking of Back to the Future, the film celebrates a very special anniversary this year. 2020 is the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future. So to celebrate that anniversary, there's all kinds of new merchandise coming down the pike. And I saw something. Well, it's my birthday in a couple of days. You can get it for me for my birthday if you want to. The makers of the Transformers have teamed up with all these licensees to do Transformers of famous cars from Hollywood. Last year, to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Ghostbusters, Transformers and Ghostbusters teamed up to bring us Ectotron, a heroic Autobot who turns into Ecto-1, the Ghostbusters car. Well, now for the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future, they're giving us Gigawatt. He is a heroic Autobot who turns into the DeLorean time machine from Back to the Future. He's got all kinds of neat little gizmos and gimmicks like the flux capacitor, what makes time travel possible. It's right there in the middle of his chest when he's in his robot mode. And of course, they're going to be pumping out a special comic book miniseries as well that explains how Doc Brown and Marty McFly team up with the Autobots to stop some time traveling threats. I tell you, this is one of those mashups I would do on the playground when I was a kid. I don't think I'll be buying Gigawatt for myself, though. It's limited to just 1,985 pieces, and so you know it's going to go for big, big bucks. I'll probably have to pay like 100 bucks for it on eBay or something like that, maybe 1,000 bucks for it on eBay. So I don't think I'll be getting it anytime soon. I'll just have to soothe myself by watching the movie over and over again. Everything's better with Mark Kappas. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who or through the roof. Mark Kappas on U62, The Targ. Normally this is where I do the streaming report, but I don't feel like doing the streaming report this week. I've got nothing new to report. I'm still plowing my way through Battlestar Galactica. I'm about one-third of the way through the fourth and final season, and it's still going good. So rather than the streaming report, I'm going to give you a book report. Since I have a lot of downtime, like a lot of folks these days, I figured this would be the perfect time to start reading all those books I've acquired over the years, but never got around to reading because I was so busy. So I'm starting this week with Why We Love Star Wars by Ken Knapsack. Now, this book was given to me by a guy I used to work with. 
when I was working at the radio station up in Athabasca. He was the music teacher there. So he was a guest on my show quite a bit as we plugged the latest Christmas concerts and school recitals and stuff like that. Now, Napzok is a Star Wars podcaster, and my buddy won a signed copy from one of Napzok's podcasts. Since my buddy had already pre-ordered a copy, he sent me his extra copy because, as he said in the letter, I was the biggest Star Wars fan he knew. Now, that's one of those things that always kind of keeps me up at night. I often wonder if I can actually call myself a Star Wars fan. Why is that? Well, because there's really nothing about Star Wars I hate. Granted, there are parts of the franchise that I don't like, but my reaction is always mild indifference, not blind hatred. But as has been written, no one hates Star Wars like a Star Wars fan. Hell, there's a whole cottage industry these days dedicated to shitting on Star Wars. Check your YouTube feed, you'll see all kinds of videos. Why the prequels suck. Why the Disney era sucks. Why this one background character in one video game ruins the entire franchise. And so on and such forth. Well, this book, Why We Love Star Wars, that is the perfect antidote to that. Napzok goes across the entire franchise, the films, the TV shows, the novels, the video games, and just gushes about his 100 favorite moments. Some of it is kind of deep, you know, it connects emotional beats from across the franchise, and some of it is kind of superficial, you know, like stuff like, this was totally like my fan theory that I had on the playground when I was eight. I want you to think back to uh, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. That was the show all about the making of The Mandalorian. After the first episode, Dave Filoni, one of the executive producers, he's also the big boss behind all the animated series, a clip of him from that show went viral. He just starts gushing about the Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn lightsaber fight from episode one, and he talks about how it sets up the entire franchise. Well, this book... Why We Love Star Wars, it's an entire book of essays in that vein. I found Why We Love Star Wars to be a fun and breezy read. It opens you up to whole, to a whole new aspect of the franchise, and it teaches us that, yes, if you're a Star Wars fan, it is okay to love Star Wars. Mark Kappas, Lord of the Overworld, Master of the Twelve Galaxies! Where do you pick that stuff up? I never see you read. Mark Yappas. It's like he channels dead crazy people. U62, the Tar. Think it's a cry for help?
I never learned how to read Japanese, so I have no idea what that song is called. All I know is it's the opening credit song for Kiki's Delivery Service here on U62 The Targ. If you haven't noticed yet, here in Canada on Netflix, all of the Studio Ghibli classics are now there for you to enjoy. So once you're done listening to this podcast, you can go stream some Kiki's Delivery Service, some My Neighbor Totoro. I think the only one they don't have is The Wind Rises, but that's scheduled to drop in August. So check out these classic Japanese animated films. Trust me, they are some of my favorite films. You will not be disappointed. Now, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, kind of the height of ultimate boredom for me in these stay-at-home days is playing video games. I've never been much of a gamer, although I did have a video game console when I was a kid. When I was really, really little, like seven, eight years old, I had myself an Atari 2600. That's right, I was that old. Now, when I was that young, I already knew that some of the best games on the Atari 2600 were made by Activision. Yes, that Activision, one of the world's biggest video game companies. In fact, that's their secret origin. Way back in the late 70s, Atari had this nasty habit of not crediting their programmers. So needless to say, a bunch of programmers eventually got pissed off with that. So they went across the street and formed their own video game company, Activision. And they became the first third-party developer in the history of video game consoles. Pretty cool, huh? And here we are now, 40 years later, they are one of the biggest video game companies in the world. I think that's part of what made the Activision games so special on the Atari 2600. The fact that they did credit their programmers. Right there on the front label, it would say, made by this person. And there'd be a personal letter from them in the instruction manual saying, Thank you for buying my video game. Here are some tips that'll help you get through it. And as part of that feeling of community that Activision created, they were the very first video game company that gave you achievements. Now you're wondering, how the heck did they do achievements on the Atari 2600? 
Well, it worked like this. If you attained a certain high score, you'd have to whip out your camera and take a picture of your TV screen proving you got that high score. Then once you got the pictures developed, you'd have to send it off to Activision World Headquarters and six to eight weeks later, you would get a literal achievement badge in the form of an iron-on patch that you could stick on your jacket and you would be the coolest kid down there in the playground. Now, back in those Atari 2600 days, one of my favorite games was called Sequest. You're this little yellow submarine. You're underwater. You have to use your torpedoes to blast killer sharks and enemy subs and rescue divers. Once you've rescued six divers, you return to the surface. You do it all before your air runs out. And once you've done that all, you're on to the next level, which is just the same thing, only faster and more intense. Now, their achievement badge was called the Sub Club, which you could get into if you got more than 50,000 points. When I was playing the game when I was a kid, I only remember hitting that 50,000 point level just once. I called my mother into the room and tried to explain the whole iron-on patch thing to her and begged her to go get the camera, but she just kind of looked at me like I was from Mars and just kind of said bewilderedly, there's no film in the camera right now. So I had to let that go. Anyways, on my PC, I do have an Atari 2600 emulator. I fired it up the other night, and I got a sub-club-worthy score of 100,000 points. That's two sub-clubs right there. And in this day and age, it's really easy to take a picture. I just hit print screen and turned it into a JPEG, and you will find that picture on my Instagram, at Chaos in a Box. So Activision, if you're still sending out those patches please send me mine. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm done for this week. As always, thank you very much for tuning in. What did the kids say today? Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe in Spotify. We're on Google Play now. And of course, you can always swing by my official website, chaosinabox.com, and listen there. I'm Mark Appas. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of the Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. That's all there is. There isn't any.